Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for joining us. This is the MMA Sucker Podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton. Joined as always, the O to my two arena, Fraser Crone, the editor at MMA Sucker. How are you doing today, sir? Yeah, all good, man. Looking forward to breaking down uh, UFC London, you know, giving a little look at the boxing that went on this weekend, uh, this past weekend. We had an, an all right UFC card, I guess. Um, it, it is what it is, but it's all about UFC London this week. Uh, Maybe slightly biased being British and obviously with yourself living in Scotland, but mm-hmm. this is a really, really good top quality card. And I think, uh, you know, UFC fans are being, well, British fans at least are being treated because like I say, it's a, it's a really good card from top to bottom as well. It's a UFC in London card uh, this Saturday, uh, March, sorry. Yeah. March 19th. This is exceptional stuff up and down the undercard to the main card is just absolutely outstanding Uh, but let's talk a little bit of boxing from the weekend and a little bit of the UFC as well I'm really happy and I'm relieved that at this point it used to just be me on the campaign trail but now the UFC is showing so much evidence to cancel the light heavyweight division this whole division sucks throw it in the garbage I have nothing to say I we both picked Megamed and Kaliyev the two of them threw eight strikes this whole fight there's nothing else to say yeah that's quite literally I on my, on my notes I had Magomed Ankalaya defeats Thiago Santos. Nothing else there. That's that is what it is. With Thiago Santos, you keep away from his power. Magomed Ankalaya did that. Yeah, that's about all we can say about the fight. To be honest, you know, there's outside of the the main event, there were a lot. You know, a good few talking points that uh, Song Yudong knockout of Marlon Moraes was savage. Marlon Moraes now lost four in yes. all by. Knockout finish. Mm-hmm. That's it for Marlon Moraes, as far as I'm concerned. You know, when it goes downhill for him, it just it continues. You know, it really gathers momentum when it goes downhill. And you know, and it, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking exactly. And you know, he started. He's one and five in his last six. I saw this morning that 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 first loss was to Henry Cejudo, where he was doing well in the first round. Mm-hmm. But since then, you know, he had the controversial win over Jose Aldo. He lost to Sandhagen. He lost, obviously, to Rob Font. And then he had that crazy fight with Marab Devashvili where he was he, he was winning the fight and just cast out. And then, you know, that's when you sort of realise that, you know, if it's not going your way, it's really not going your way. And then to come in against Song Yudong, who's a young, you know, lower-ranked guy, and to, to be flatlined like he did, I think it's time that we we call it with Marlon Marais. And for Song Yudong, Sean O'Malley. Book it, you know. I think that's, okay. that's that's a fight to make. Finally, you know, it's a guy who's who's susceptible to a loss. Song Yudong, you know, he lost to Kyler yep. Phillips, um, and he drew with Cody Stamen. But yep, <clears throat> make that Sean O'Malley fight. I know he called out Dominic Cruz, but I think the Sean O'Malley fight probably, you know, that gets more eyes on it than a than a Dominic Cruz fight. If uh, if I'm Song Yudong, I would have I would have done that. But you know, it is what it is. So I think the Song Yudong, man, he's so good. Song, he is the real deal, and I, I'm a huge fan. And it's it's amazing that this guy can be on a win streak and then barely rank at bantamweight because of how good bantamweight is. Dominic Cruz probably does. It's a honestly a tougher fight. Dominic Cruz has lost his step. He's slowed down a lot, but he's still a wrestling base. And I think whereas um, Sugar Sean O'Malley is clearly a striking base, and if Song Yudong wants to win, I think the Sean O'Malley fight is the fight for him. Uh, a couple other really good things on the card. Uh, Sadiq Youssef got a unanimous decision. Khalil Roundtree Jr., Mr. Violence. Team All Violence is back. What do you think of Khalil Roundtree Jr.? I've always been, since he was on The Ultimate Fight, I've been a massive Khalil Roundtree fan. You know, he's 
it's the octagon work. If if he was awful in the octagon and he had the backstory, it is what it is, you know. But he is looking legit in his last few fights in the octagon, <sighs> and now you know he's finally getting his backstory sort of out there. You know, he he's just really he's just a really good fighter. You know, and he's been in the UFC for it. He's had a lot of UFC fights for someone that you don't maybe think has had a lot of UFC fights. You know, he went 0 and 2 mm-hmm. in the in the UFC to start off. Well, 0 and 1, let's say, and then he had the ultimate sure. fighter finale that he lost. But he he, he holds a win over Paul Craig, is in in uh, who's in action this weekend. He holds that yes. knockout of Gokan Saki, and he, he quite literally sent Gokan Saki back to kickboxing. <laughs> Back to kickboxing, quite literally knocked him back to kickboxing, which is amazing. He then had that Eric Anders fight where he came out and you could tell, you know, he did lose to Johnny Walker, but he came out in the Eric Anders fight as a completely new fighter, a Muay Thai practitioner, you know, soft on the on the, on the the lead leg, chopping the leg kicks, you know, everything done with power, but, you know, it's that measured power. And yes, you know, he, he does trade wins and losses, but against Carl Roberson, the first round, he came out in that crouch stance. So he's obviously, he knows what Carl Roberson's looking to do. He's, he knew that Carl Roberson was potentially looking to take him down. And maybe, you know, maybe Khalil had a had an injury where he would have struggled to get back to his feet or, or whatever it was. So that's why we saw him in the in the much lower sort of, almost crouch stance it was, and much lower. He wasn't in that Muay Thai stance that we've seen him. So, uh that we've seen from him so often. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the first round kind of got away from from each man, I feel. You know, they they didn't there wasn't an awful lot of action. Khalil just had robes and uh Khalil just had Robeson's back pressed up against the, the the octagon for five minutes really, you know. And then uh he comes out in the second round and I d I don't know what what they what they said to him in the in the corner. Mm-hmm. But Khalil just came out looking for violence and looking for war, you know, and that 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 body kick on the ground, a much un- underutilized strike. It reminds me of uh, of like a John Jones knee to to Chelson, and it oh, was it John Jones knee. It, it was a knee to, uh, yeah. Uh, it was Anderson Silva to Chelson. Anderson Silva, my mistake. Yeah, Anderson Silva yeah. to Chelson, and you know that's a, that's a legal strike, and it, it, you know to throw the soccer kick when you're on the ground. It reminds me also of. Uh, GSP and Matt Sarah too, you know. Oh yeah, Matt Sarah yeah. sort of, you know, was uh, shelled up, and GSP was landing the, the ground strikes. I'm here for Khalil Roundtree, and I want to see him on a main card next. Is he ever going to be UFC champion? No, let's 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 call a spade a spade. <laughs> no, he, he's he's not. Is he going to be in plenty more exciting fights? I I really do think that he he, he will be. Yeah. And you know what's next for him? It's it's difficult because you know he is that sort of. That nearly guy. I think a, a Devin Clark fight maybe makes sense. We're just looking down the down the rankings Ooh, here. Yeah. A Devin Clark fight makes sense. Uh, Alonzo yep. Menafield potentially. I mean a William a William Knight fight. Yes, he, we're not sure if William Knight will ever fight light heavyweight again after that weight miss a few uh, about a month ago. But I mean, William Knight's violent as is Khalil Roundtree, and I think you know Roundtree really put himself on the map and. Let's hope now, you know, he's been on the Joe Rogan show, but let's hope yep. they get him back on the Joe Rogan, uh, Joe Rogan show, whatever they call it these days. Let's hope that we get, a, 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 you know, maybe a sit down interview on a, on a, on a BT sport or, or on an ESPN and let's get his story out there because he's an inspiring, motivational guy. And I think 
you know, to to ignore that would be a, a massive loss. It totally co-signed with you. He's like his highlight reel is so high. It looks so good. If you just showed that highlight reel to anybody, they'd be like, man, this guy is a world bruiser starting at heavyweight, cutting his weight down. It's a cool story that he has. Uh, it's it, like the weird stuff is that his dotted losses and his retirements and then he comes back. This is like weird stuff here and there. Um, should we talk a little bit Lee Wood or do you want to, is there anything else on the UFC card you want to really call out? Drew Durbin's chin, I'll call out. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. he was he was on his on his backside pretty much by Terence McKinney. And then McKinney just ran out. You know, you ran out of steam, you ran out of gas and, and was ultimately finished by Drew Durbin. But I think McKinney welcome again. I think the two first round finishes that he's had in the UFC, I think they're two first round finishes. Well, I know it was a, obviously it's the seven second finish and yeah, it was a first round finish a few weeks ago now. Maybe that's the worst thing to happen to him. Maybe if he would have finished those fights in the third, in the third round, he would have been a little bit more reserved. And Alex Pereira. Oh yeah. That was a rough it's one. You know, it's tough. I think he, Alex Pereira is past his prime. Like clearly, there yeah. was a few years when he was kickboxing champion where he was right in. Like he is so far ahead of a lot of these guys. In MMA, I think we're just seeing a shell of what he was. I think we're just a few years past where he should be. You know, I just don't see him. And he the won narr- the fight. <laughs> he yeah, won the sure, fight still. Sure. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not forget that he, he won the fight. And, you know, in his debut, he scored, you know, he's, his debut is remembered for the flying knee. Yeah. But he also lost the first round. He was out-wrestled yeah. in that first round. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I think him and Izzy's competitive in MMA. But I don't even think he gets there because he's got to get past the wrestling of a Marvin Vittori, the wrestling yeah, of a Derek Brunson, the wrestling of a, you know, he called out Jared Cannonier. Cannonier doesn't touch that. You know, he's got nothing to gain with that, with that win. The yeah. wrestling of even, you know, even the likes of Robert Whitaker, he's got to get past the wrestling of, which I don't, I don't think, think he, he right does. Now. And, you know, Wellington, sorry, not uh, Bruno Silva had his moments, you know, he, he cracked Alex Ferrer. Fair play to Alex Ferreira, the, the chin held up. But for me, it's not quite, you know, it's, he, he didn't quite set the world on fire like we, we maybe expected him to. No, and it's too bad because they keep showing the highlight and uh, it's getting a lot of hype. I know they want to pair him up with Israel as fast as possible, but yeah. What else you got for this UFC event in Vegas? I think that was pretty much pretty much it for the UFC. Miranda Maverick bounced back with a good win, and Gillian Robertson unfortunately suffered another loss. Um, but you know, I think for 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 me, Saturday night was all about the Leewood versus Michael Conlon fight. It was fight of the year almost. You know, um, already the, high, the the it's just it looks insane if you see the knockout from the wrong angle it looks like a guy just floats away tell us about what happened in this fight it was a come from behind victory right yeah for sure i mean obviously lee was a champion going into the fight um michael conlon you know he's well known as as certainly one of the the better practitioners in in the uh, featherweight division you know he's he's famous for flipping the bird at the olympics he's famous for arguably famous for all the wrong reasons but with that being said you know he's <laughs> he's he's good he's a, he's a very good fighter you know and um you know coming into this i think he was maybe a slight favorite against leewood you know leewood only 
two years ago, lost to Jazza Dickens. He obviously beat Kanju last time out. But mm-hmm. the the difficult thing is for Lee Wood is he was. I don't think there would have been too many people complaining if he got stopped in that first round. The massive overhand from Michael Conant put Lee Wood out flat, and when even when Lee Wood stood up, he was all over the place. And I don't think, like I say, I don't think too. You know, there would have def- it would have definitely been controversial, but I don't think it would have been too controversial if that if that fight would have been stopped there and then. He was ahead on the scorecards going into the the final round. He he did get clipped mm-hmm. in the eleventh and dropped, but that mm-hmm. final round, like you say, if you if you see it from the wrong angle and the angle that it showed on the on the on the on the the the, the uh, on the television is, I still can't quite work out what Michael Conlon got got clipped with. I think it was the the sort of right hook to the temple that just put him straight out. And for yeah. anyone that hasn't seen the knockout. I'd almost say don't go back and watch it because so it, it does make for a quite a rough watch. You know, he almost at the end of the round when you go down, you sit on the stool. That's exactly what he did, but there was no stool there. He just sat back on the ropes. He fell through the ropes. Yeah. And you know, luckily we had on the night confirmation um, from well, he works for BT Sport, but he's you know he's a boxing boxing guy nick pete we had confirmation on the night that he was you know awake and talking backstage he was off to hospital and we've we've seen pictures of the two of them two of them uh you know embracing since and there's that respect yeah it's it's rough you know it was a rough knockout and it's you know knockouts like that that's why you should maybe there's maybe a call luckily enough for you know we've seen Bernard Hopkins get knocked out of the ring. We've seen multiple yeah. fighters get knocked out of the ring, but you know Bernard Hopkins is one of the more well-known examples. And now this will go down as another well-known example. But is there a call to have you know half a meter padding on the outside of a boxing ring? Yeah, probably. If honestly, that happens, yeah. you therefore you don't have that risk of. You know, and we saw in, in this fight, Ben Davison, um, Lee Wood's trainer, Tyson Fury's old trainer, Josh Taylor's trainer, he was constantly stood up, which is is you know, is something you're not allowed to do. But at points, he was yeah. leaning into the ring with his arm. You know, we see at the end of boxing. For me, boxing is always a strange one where, you know, the round will start and they're just taking the stool out of the, the ring or they're, they're wiping the ring down as the round starts. And so you've got two guys in the center of the ring fighting. And the trainers wiping it. So that's always something that I found quite strange with boxing. But you you cannot be that animated in boxing that you're leaning through the ropes and, and telling your man what to do like like that. And Ben Davidson was doing that. So that's maybe another almost feather in the cap of putting maybe just, you know, even if it's a quarter of a meter padding, that'll break the fall for an individual who, in Michael Collins' case, gets punched out of the ring. You know, it was a brutal knockout. And I will we see a, a uh Will we see a rematch? Maybe down the line. I don't see it being there being a rematch um, straight away because I don't think Mark Connor was so far ahead on the scorecards that you know he he wasn't 11, 11 nil up going into the essentially you know he wasn't eleven nil up going into the final round. Mm. It was tight, you know. There was there was close rounds in there, but Lee would went in needing that knockout and that's what that's what it got and i think you know i think that that, that it's, it's, a, it's a massive 
massive, obviously, <laughs> obviously it's a massive win for Lee Wood to, to knock out Michael Conlon in that way. Michael Conlon will be back without a doubt. But I think that story is going to be lost this week with, uh, there's a an interview coming out on, I believe, Thursday um, with a gentleman named Daniel Kinnahan, who who's, has links to, to Michael Conlon. And for those that don't know, Daniel Kinnahan's uh, essentially a wanted man in Ireland. And he, huh. with, uh, I can't remember, Matthew Macklin, he, he began the, the, the MGM boxing company, as it were, which is now changed to MTK, Matt the Knife. Daniel okay. Kinnahan essentially runs boxing. And it's a guy that you've never heard of. There's a BBC Panorama uh, documentary mm-hmm. about it. This guy is a, he's a dangerous man. He, he represents Tyson Fury, he represents Darren Tilly, advises. And, you know, he's, he's come into the mainstream a lot more because he advises both Jack Cattrall and Josh Taylor. Now, he's uh, he's on a podcast with James English. Um, I think it gets really, yeah, so it gets released on Thursday the 17th. And, you know, I'll, I'll more than likely have a piece out on the site about that because this guy is... He's a wanted man. He, he he's from Ireland. It's a lot of gangland and drug and drug business, as it were. But most importantly, there's a belief that Daniel Kinnahan has made the the Matt the Knife brand and and made the the MTK brand, which you know advises hundreds and hundreds of fighters mm-hmm. in order to wash drug money. So that yeah. is that the interview with him assuming that um we'll get the, the questions answered that we want to we won't. will overshadow <laughs> of course yeah will overshadow the entire boxing world this this weekend um that obviously comes out on thursday so yeah expect uh over the weekend expect even if you know it might not be a full article but it might just almost be bullet pointed on the um on the on the socials but yeah he's a he's, yeah. A, he's a dangerous man daniel kinahan and and he's the man that essentially runs boxing he's the man that you've never heard of and it's it's interesting but it's uh certainly something to keep an eye out this week well yeah and you know what's funny i please do write the article because man, you threw so much at me there so th- please do write the article because i've been kicking this idea around and i'm gonna bounce it off you but uh, at least in mma sometimes you think like this sport is a little bit shady it is so openly shady that the best moments in the sport are so clearly tied to organized crime that you can't like there's no possible way that the sport would even be half as good if it wasn't for organized crime. And I think sure. boxing, you could make the same argument like, yeah, it sucked for the fighters. It sucked for everybody involved, but they made some good fights. Like boxing was better when it was run by the mafia. Vegas was better when it was run by the mafia. The UFC was good because it was run by the mafia. Pride was good because it was run by the Yakuza. It's very hard to remove organized crime from MMA and still get to where we are. So please do write the article. Cause I want notes on like, Organized crime and boxing are so intertwined even to this day, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the, the thing that really brought Daniel Kinnahan to the to the forefront of everyone's discussion was the, the, the Regency Hotel shooting in 2016. It was an MTK show, mm. and it was, it was a weigh-in, and, uh, and it was essentially stormed by, by, I think, from what I understand, is a rival gang to Daniel Kinnahan's cartel, as they call it, the Kinnahan cartel, is the, the Hutch, the Hutch family in Ireland. 
It was stormed and someone was shot dead. And this was at an MTK weigh-in, a boxing weigh-in show. It stormed, shots were fired. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it all sort of kicked off from there. And now mm-hmm. we've we've seen pictures of Daniel Kinahan and, and Tyson Fury. And Tyson Fury last year or the year before last specifically went on to social media to say the biggest fight in, in British boxing history, biggest fight in boxing history, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua is going ahead. I want to say a big thanks to Daniel Kinahan. So this guy is in <laughs> boxing. He, there is no stepping away from that. And, you know, he. I haven't had time to watch the watch the podcast yet, but he he answered questions that the Fight Disciples put to him. Mm. The Fight Disciples podcast. So that's on their YouTube channel. So go and check that out. But he answered questions that they put to him, not face to face, but sort of. You know, they put the questions to him live on a podcast, and he's obviously responded. But he is mm-hmm. doing this sit-down tell-all with uh, with uh, with James English coming out on Thursday. That's a big one. That's going to be a lot of fun to find out more. It's, it's um, definitely going to be interesting. But the chances yeah. of us getting any uh, anything of note from Daniel Kinnan is almost none. Yeah, but I will throw one more thing because we do need to move forward to the major UFC on London card. I know we have a lot to break down, but the extra foot around the ring. I don't know why they would have like Pancrase had it for 40 years ago. I think Pancrase had first put the extra like foot around the ring and then they made sure to have because Frank Shamrock fell out of the ring at one point and then they were like, oh, this is stupid. We need to do something about this. So they fixed it for 40 years ago at this point, right? Like, I don't know why they wouldn't. It doesn't seem like an impossible thing to Easy adjustment. Exactly. Save someone's life. Right? And I don't think it takes anything away from the spectacle. And, you know, you, you, that half a meter or, or a meter, I don't think that much. really affects the, the judging. It doesn't affect the, the coaches. It just, it just, it might amplify it. You know, it just, it might amplify it. Exactly. Like you remember... Put some on a pedestal, you know, these, yeah. you haven't got everything, the distractions around the ring. You've just got these two guys in the middle. So it just doesn't make sense to me why they, why they wouldn't do that. One of the best highlights of all time is seeing Rampage Jackson's limp body slung over the ropes. If his body fell over the ring, we would have a different conversation about what the sport actually is because he probably would have died. But exactly. <laughs> it's just his limp body in the ropes, and it's one of the best moments. Um, this weekend, we also saw jiu-jitsu. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Ton Lee knocks out Gary Tonin while attempting a heel hook. And uh, anything you want to throw on the one event, or should we jump into the finally UFC on London? Finally, we're here. Should we jump into it? Uh, yeah, I, for Gary Turner's sake, I don't want to go through that at all. You know, like you say, we've just seen that. Uh, jiu-jitsu is not real, man. You don't need to it doesn't train even... jiu-jitsu defense. You know, I, I posted <laughs> on the MMA Sucker um, Instagram, you know, well, that's one way to defend a heel hook by just sort of almost hammer fisting your opponent's chin off. You know, fair play. It was a, yeah, what a knockout that was. Just absolutely awesome stuff. Jiu-Jitsu has been cancelled forever. You don't actually need to train it. Just punch him in the head. Let's get into the UFC on London card. Any news from your side? Have you heard from the UFC at all? Or we'll start from the bottom. No. That's fine. We'll get there. Uh, We have IMMAF champion starting from the bottom, making his UFC debut against Cody Durden. Mohamed Mokayev is really coming in on a lot of hype. And I'm a little bit impressed that the UFC is not feeding him the easiest fights imaginable. He does have a lot of experience coming in. He is probably a future title contender. And it looks like they're almost fast-tracking him by putting him against someone who has multiple fights in the UFC and a very experienced game opponent in Cody Durden. What do you think of Muhammad Makayev here opening up the opening up the, uh, the prelim card? Yeah, for sure. I'm surprised that he's not further up the card, to be honest. I know it's his UFC debut, yeah. but 22-0 and 0 is an amateur 5-0 and 0 or 5 
Owen won as a uh, yeah that no contest back in June of last year. Yeah, Mohamed Makayev at 21 years old will be a UFC champion at some point in his career. What's most interesting, like you say, is that they're not just giving him a, a, a gimme knockover fight. Yeah, Cody Dern. Yes, he's not again. You know, he's not going to be UFC champion, but he is. He is experienced in the UFC. You know, he's had one win, one loss, one draw in the UFC, but he's mm-hmm. he's got sixteen professional fights, and I think what we can expect. You know. He, Marco defeated Blaine O'Driscoll last time out. Blaine O'Driscoll is a good fighter. You know, we've seen him at Bellator, we've seen him in Bama. That was on a brave card. Um, it, it's 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 also worth noting that Blaine O'Driscoll, who who was defeated by Marco last time out, it went the distance with Jose Torres. Um, she's obviously a former UFC alumni, Jose Torres. Mohamed Makhachev is a finisher and he will be a flyweight finisher, which is something that we don't often see. And it's, he doesn't, you know, at flyweight, he doesn't have that one punch knockout power like a, a Francis Ngannou. Like, that's, well, yeah. <laughs> but what he does have is the ability to ground and pound his opponents into, into submission. You know, he's, he's won by tap to strikes. He's got multiple submissions. He's got TKOs where, you know, they're not, they're not knockouts, they're TKOs. Mohamed Makhachev, I have no doubt, will finish Cody Durden on Saturday. And I think, you know, he'll kick off the card in phenomenal fashion. And, you know, if you are lucky enough to have got a ticket for the event, don't turn up late to it because Makhachev is the first fight on the card. And it's probably going to be one of the more entertaining fights on the card. Man, Mohamed Makhachev, like he is, it's insane to have that long of an amateur career and stay undefeated in the IMMAF because weird stuff happens when you're a young guy and you're 18 or something weird like that's going on. Undefeated as a professional so far as well, making his UFC debut. He's 21 years old. Thinking about how long, like we might, this might be like a Dan Henderson where we watched this guy fight for 20 years or so. But the problem is as long as he can keep everything clean, And what I mean by this is that we've requested multiple interviews with him and he's always busy. He is always booked. If he is running the media gauntlet, I don't know if this guy, you know, if he doesn't have time for training, he might just end up not doing as well, but he's 21 years old. He definitely wins this upcoming fight. And you're saying champion at at this rate within five years or so, this guy's going to be, he potentially could beat John Jones record. What do you think for Muhammad Makai's chances? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he also is, is, gifted to be fighting at flyweight where there aren't an awful lot of huge, huge names. You've obviously got the the two that have been That's exchanging true. the championship with Figgy and uh, Moreno. You've got Askar Askarov yeah. and Kaikara France. And then outside of that, you know, it gets a bit dicey. So Mohamed Mokov, I think with a win against, a convincing win against Cody Durden, I think we get him out twice more this year. That's maybe why he's on the March card. So we could get him out in international fight week in July and then a November, December card. You're looking at maybe being three and oh with potentially three finishes by the end of the year in your in your you know your first your, your first year in the UFC is not bad going for for Mokaya, but they need to both match him up correctly. I think Cody Dern is is a good yeah. fight for him. But also, yeah. you know, I completely, you know, co-sign with what you're saying. He needs to focus on being an MMA fighter. At 21 years old, he's got his whole life ahead of him to be that star. 
but don't, yeah. don't rush into being that star. That that star power will come with impressive MMA performances. I think that's what's what's most important. Absolutely, I'm I'm really excited. Get goosebumps thinking about like that. We're witnessing a future great here. Nathaniel Wood versus Vinny Morales. Morales, excuse me. Um, Nathaniel Wood, he's kind of been in and out of action here. He's been gone for a couple of years in MMA. His last fight was a loss to Casey Kenny. He had a loss to John Dodson ahead of uh, just a few years before that, or just previous to that 2020 fight. Um, and then we have uh, his opponent in. Vince Morales, he's on a two-fight win streak right now. A, a good wins, including Luis Smolka. What do you think of this matchup? This is this one makes sense that it's on the prelims, you know? Yeah, um, I think the 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 hype that Nathaniel Wood had has definitely fizzled yeah. out ever so slightly. You know, he 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 did start the UFC. He entered the UFC as a champion. You know, he was the Cage Warriors uh, bantamweight champion. Mm-hmm. He went three and zero with three finishes in in the UFC to sort of start his career, including that win against Andre Yule, which you know, was a That's really good win. win. And he yeah. also showed an exciting fight style where he can take one to land one, or he can take three to land two, you know, but that it's knockout. Exciting. Yeah, but sure. I don't know if that's a good style. No, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think he probably gets a victory in this one purely because, you know, Morales is taking it on slightly short notice. He was, um, he wasn't scheduled to be on this card. Nathaniel Wood was, and I think Nathaniel Wood with the UK crowd behind him will hopefully pick up where he left off in the O2 last time after winning against Jose Canones. I think, mm-hmm. I think Wood, it, it's time now for Wood. He, he's called the prospect. He's 28 now, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's 28. He's yeah. entering his prime and at Bantamweight, you know, we, we alluded to it earlier. Um, it's stacked. And you, you yeah. haven't got time to be trading wins and losses if if this is the kind of if if you wanna if you wanna really really truly make make it you know he's been ranked in the top fifteen before he now needs to be getting the wins over Vince Morales he then needs to be getting out again like we said with Makayev he needs to be getting out again at least once or twice this year because Absolutely. we haven't seen him fight since twenty twenty when he lost to Casey Kenny. No, I completely agree with you. It's, uh, yeah, like you said, the hype team, because I remember this guy, he was a big deal coming into the UFC, and then it just feels like uh, it's kind of fizzled out at this point. Corey McKenna and Elise Reed at women's strawweight. It feels like the UFC did a great matchup to ensure that Wales gets a victory on this card. Corey McKenna coming off a couple of pretty good wins here uh, against Kay Hansen and Vanessa Demopoulos uh, against Elise Reed, who is 0-1 in the UFC against Eubanks. What do you think of this matchup? Am I way off my off base here no i think you're absolutely spot on you know reed yeah. last time out struggled against eubanks who's essentially a ground fighter Corey mckenna yeah. also a ground fighter yeah you know let's let's call a spade a spade here mckenna will get the victory and it will uh, potentially be by finish but most probably be by uh by decision you know it's nothing against these girls but you know that's, that's- it's just what tends to happen in in female in female MMA at this at this weight class, and you know, I'd also argue that Vanessa Demopoulos, obviously, we saw her get that victory, uh, you know, a few months ago, and Kay Hansen, they're much better for. I think they're both probably beat Elise Reed. No offense to Elise Reed, but you know, Elise Reed, five, you know, she's had five five MMA fights, but you know, I I just don't think that she's. 
at the level of Corey McKenna, and Corey McKenna is only 22 years old, so I think McKenna probably gets it done by decision here. I completely agree with you. A uh, uh, Welsh ground fighter, Corey McKenna. What is with the Welsh wrestling base? What is going on here? Because our next fighter, Jack Shore, future champion, Welsh fighter, ground wrestling fighter. This guy, this guy, I, I, I really do put the stamp on of I think this guy's a future champion. Seeing him fight, he is absolutely so good. I know that you and I have talked about him before, and this shouldn't be on the undercard. This fight could main event. He's fighting Timur sure. Valiev on the undercard. This is insane. What do you have for Jack Shore and Timur Valiev? Yeah, you know, like, like Nathaniel Wood, he's a former Cage Warriors bantamweight champion, and this stuff doesn't. Cage Warriors champions aren't aren't knockovers. Bisping, McGregor, yeah, uh, these these people become champion. Yep. There's no doubting that Jack Shaw, like you say, will become champion. I don't think that his UFC career. I think he's he'll be the first to admit it. It's gone quite how he envisaged it. Envisaged. Saw it happening. What is this? Your first show? Say it. Um, <laughs> you know, he entered the UFC with two two finishes, two submissions, and that's what we know he likes to do: is get the fight to the ground and submit his opponents. Eight of eight of his opponents have all fallen to a submission game. Yeah. His last two fights, however, have gone gone the distance, and he hasn't looked like a world beater in those two fights. He was supposed to be fighting Umar Nurgam. Nurm- oh, I can't get my words out, man. Don't even worry. That's okay. Nurmagomedov. He was yeah. meant to be fighting Umar, and and that one fell through. Now fighting Valuev, which isn't an easy fight at all. No. <laughs> the guy is undefeated since 2016, undefeated in the UFC. Uh, he has a, a no contest, but you know, again, the Valuev isn't a, a phenomenal finisher. You know, looking down his record, he's got 11 of his um, 18 wins have all come by decision. So he he knows how to stay in a fight you know this isn't to say that he's going to be losing fights but he knows how to stay in a fight i think this one like you say should have been third 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 (laughs) to the sorry second to the co-main event i think jack shaw needs a big big year because you know like i say he he's got age on his side he is 27 but he needs to be kicking on like we said about nathaniel wood he needs to be kicking on now and and getting the big fights and getting a ranked opponent. And I think he'll more than likely, if he does get the victory against Valiev, I, I predict that he probably will. Yeah. He needs to be getting a ranked opponent next, or he might even be ranked himself. So he needs to be fighting up an opponent. This is a tough fight for him. It's a tough win. This is definitely the gatekeeping moment because Timber Valiev is tough. He's, he's a hard fighter in every position to work against he's a veteran fighter uh but yeah this could be a main event if they want to do some smaller like they do the small vegas shows they just want to do like a small like cardiff show with jack shore headlining against timber valley this is a good fight to do that kind of thing sure, but no yeah. it's on it's on the undercard for the o2 arena because they do one show a year in the uk because fuck, fuck <laughs> <that>. <laughs> next fight um i really could care less about this paul craig and nikita krylov are fighting at light heavyweight Cancelled the division. Paul Craig has said maybe this is his last fight. Nikita Krylov, I'm surprised, is still fighting at this point. I don't know. What do you think? I don't care. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one because Paul Craig always brings the intensity. Does <laughs> he? Always, he brings it. I mean, he brings a, a fun face off. You know, his last fight, I think, uh, against Jamala Hill, uh, the, the floppy arm finish 
Look, expect Paul Gray to close the distance and look to either Paul Gard or take Karloff down. Karloff's not not bad on the floor, but his his last two wins have come via via work sort of almost working the the ground game. But he, True. He also, you know, he's, he's lost to Glover. He's lost to Jan Blahovic, You know, the champion, a former champion. Is he ever going to be a champion? No. Is Paul Craig ever going to be a champion? I hope that he gets the win against Krylov and gloves in the octagon time, you know, because yeah. what a better way to do it with, you know, there will be a lot of Scottish fans in, in attendance. Mm-hmm. British fans are obviously, they're huge on, on Paul Craig. And I think that's the perfect way to bow out for Paul Craig. Cause you know, he, he also strikes me as a guy that doesn't quite, you know, he's, he's one of these guys that doesn't like fighting. I think if he could get away with, you know, he's he's got the big wins. He's got the the Ankalaev choke, which was absolutely phenomenal in the last second. He's got the last second, yeah. The uh, the Shogun draw and the Shogun yeah. victory. He's got the yeah. Jamal Hill, Krylov, and out for me for for if I was Paul Craig. The thing, Paul Craig again. He's a highlight reel fighter. His highlight reel looks really good. If you just show even the last few fights, his his triangle choke with the uh, with the dislocated shoulder absolutely sickening right like that's awesome stuff shogun tap due to strike before that he had a triangle choke when he's had a few other triangle jokes his highlight reel looks great but i've seen him fight entirely so i'm good i yeah sure whatever who who whoever wins wins um let's move forward um should i'm not entirely um an expert on how to say this gentleman thing nor do i know these two guys very well but we have sergey pavlovich uh versus shamil uh versus shamil what do you think? Who do you have in this matchup? This one is a heavyweight fight with two Russians on it. It's bound to end in knockout. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I've written for my notes. Uh, uh, <laughs> really, to be honest, there's there's a heavyweight fight on th- this card that I, I will talk about. This is not it. Pavlovich Good. will okay. more than likely knock Abdurakhmenov. Nailed it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he'll he'll more than likely knock Jamil out. You know, Palovich has one loss on his record, and that's Alistair Overeem in his UFC debut, and that wasn't taken on short notice. That was he was scheduled to fight Alistair Overeem in his UFC debut. Since then, he's knocked out Marcelo Golm. He's knocked out Maurice Green. He's been scheduled a lot to fight a lot. Thought that, he hasn't yeah. fought since October 2019. Um, it's. I haven't actually seen pictures of these two guys in the UK. You know, we've seen the picture of Volkov, thank God, in the UK. I haven't. You actually brought seen up a good point. Yeah, of these two guys. So, as of yet, you know, we're, we're on topology, and on we haven't heard anything that this fight won't be going ahead. But there's certainly potential this fight might not go ahead with the with the conflicts in Ukraine, and and you know, these are two Russian fighters, both who are based out of Russia. You know, it's it's different if you have a, a, a you know, a, for example, a Khabib who who used to be based out of AKA a lot. These are two Russian fighters based out of Russia. I assume that the fight will go ahead. You know, there's no reason why the fight wouldn't go ahead because if Volkov managed to make it over to the UK, there's no mm-hmm. reason why these two guys can't. But I, again, I can't. True. I can't. I don't want to say for sure that it will go ahead or it won't go ahead. But you know, there is. Be aware that there is that potential. Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I've been there both Russian. Yeah, I don't really entirely know. Uh Marquan, Amir Khani and Mike Grundy are both looking to lose their losing streak in this fight coming in at featherweight. Um, not entirely sure what to say on this one. Loser to leave town most likely in this fight. 
What do yeah, you think? I think who do you see in this matchup? I think Grundy wins this fairly comfortably. To be honest, he's he's just mm. got s- considerably better wrestling than Mako Amiakani, despite the fact that Mako Amiakani is a solid wrestler. You know, I think Grundy's going to carry the the mm. momentum of Tom Aspinall. You mm. know, they train out both train out Team Carbon. Grundy is yeah. Aspinall's wrestling coach, essentially, and and you know Grundy. Let's be honest, he's been given a bit of a tough road. You know, he had his UFC debut a few years ago in London when he fought Nadna Romani, knocked him out in the first or second round. Then he was fed to Mosvar Evelev. And it's a bit like, you know, come on, it's his second UFC fight and you're getting Mosvar Evelev. I guess so, yeah. And then, and then he had Lando Vanassa, who it's just a difficult fight for anyone because you don't quite know what you're going to expect from Lando. Will he, will he do some crazy spinning stuff? Will he... Just trying out box, you really jump for a heel hook. So and Grundy lost that on a split decision. I think yeah. Grundy probably is extremely motivated. I, I heard that rather than traveling two hours, two hours to training, training in the morning, traveling two hours back, and then traveling two hours to training in the evening, traveling back, he actually moved to Liverpool to train at Team Galbon so he can rest and recuperate in that that time. He would be doing the traveling. So I think that'll uh you know, eight hours not sat in a car, I think can only be a benefit for him. But uh, yeah, I really do think that, that Grundy will kick on. And, you know, as per the topology sort of card, this will be headlining the prelims. I think that's probably subject to change. The entire card might shift around a little bit. But, you know, yeah, I think, I think there could be fireworks um, between these two. A potential fight of the night sleeper there. Jai Herbert versus Ilya Tapuria. And Ilya Tapuria, this is this is a good fight for him to kind of put his name out there a little bit more, get a likely a good win. He's coming off like he's coming off his Ryan Hall TKO victory there, so there's a lot of hype on his side. But I think Jai Herbert, very real fighter, very tough fighter to fight against. Um, uh, Herbert is coming off his win against Kama Worthy. This is a fun fight, but I do have Tapuria in it. What do you think of it? I just don't know who Jai Herbert's pissed off. You know, he, he opens <laughs> up his he comes in as Cage Warriors lightweight champion. Entered yeah. the UFC, supposed to be fighting Martin Jacquesi. Uh, I think that was in London, the, the Edwards Woodley card a few years ago when it got cancelled due to the pandemic. He then faces uh, Trinaldo in his debut. He was winning that fight until we had that strange knockout where we had the whole Dan Hardy controversy. Yeah, and fought Renato no Moicano. Come on, you know, these Renato <laughs> Moicano, Trinaldo's been doing it since before I was born. You know, he's been doing it 25 years. The guy's about 62 and he's still in yeah. still fighting. <laughs> yes. Anato Moikano has been at the top of top of the featherweight division, going up to lightweight. Just I think he was just coming off the win against Handanovic when he fought Herbert. Yeah. No, sorry, he was just coming off the Rafael Fazeev loss when he fought Herbert. So obviously he was looking to get that back. And we've just seen him go five 25 minutes with RDA. Come on. And now, you know, then he takes maybe arguably a drop down in competition against Calm Worthy, but now he's fighting Tapora. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who, like I say, I don't know who he's pissed off, but there's no easy fights for Jai there's Herbert. No, he there's pissed no off easy fights in the UFC, but there's no easy fights in for in Jai Herbert. You know, he's supposed to be. I believe he was supposed to be fighting. This is certainly a short notice fight. He's supposed to be fighting Mike Davis, and this is a short notice fight, which is why Tapor is fighting up at lightweight rather than down at featherweight. And I think that's. If, I, good luck. if I'm Jai Herbert, I make this 
boring to be honest you know yes he's in his home country but fight sensibly you know you're you're the bigger guy six foot one against five foot seven 77 reach sure. advantage against a 69 reach advantage uh, inch reach advantage make it boring make it so that tapora has to take a risk to get in on your range because with that almost 10 inch reach advantage you know you've got an eight sorry you've got an eight inch reach advantage over your opponent and he knows how to use it and i think Chai herbert's really got a if he's to stay in the UFC, he's he's really got to make this a, a <laughs> ironically to stay in the UFC, he's got to make this one boring and and look to just outpoint Tapora. I don't think he's going to finish Tapora because Tapora is a beast, but yep, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult one for Jai Herbert, unfortunately. I yeah, this is this is, I can't believe how good this card is. This these are like we genuinely interesting, great fights we have. The next one as well, Molly McCann versus Luana Carolina, both experienced in the UFC, a lot of cage time between them. Um, this is a tough one for Molly, but I, I mean Molly McCann, if she comes in with her head on her shoulders, she can maybe eat this one out, but it's a tough fight. What do you think of this one? Yeah, for sure. I think you know, I kind of go side with what you what you just said. I think it can be a a really, really tough fight for Molly McCann. I think Carolina is is good. You know, she's she is, and from you know, she's she she comes across as a big girl. You know, she's a lot bigger than I think the the, the flyweight. You know, she makes 125, but she 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 is a lot bigger than she fights quite big. I should say. You know, she's she's quite an imposing figure on on the octagon. But don't expect Molly McCann to be swallowed up by that. You know. The last time she was in fighting in the UK was against Priscilla Cachoeira, which phenomenal fight. You know, she she won that fight and then she mm-hmm. she flipped to the bird as she was running off at the end of the fight. She had the big mouth and her eye. It was just expect Great Molly stuff. McCann to be really, really pumped up for this one. But Molly's yeah. gotta manage that that emotion so that she doesn't rush in and get caught with anything. Because you know, we've seen her in the past, Talia Santos and uh, Laura Procipio, she's got over emotion. I feel, especially in the Italia Santos fight, and and to her detriment, she picked up two losses. She is coming off the win now, though. So uh, you know, I'd love you know, I'd love for Molly McCann to kick on and and you know, really work. We've seen improvements fight on fight on fight for Molly McCann, and we haven't. It seems like quite a while since we've seen her. You know, she hasn't competed since um, since September of last year. So yeah. You know, Let's hope to see another improvement in the game of Molly McCann and see see where see where she can go against the uh, Luina Carolina. Yeah, no, it's a good fight there. Absolutely, I completely agree with you. And the next fight, finally, all of our prayers and questions have been answered. We've been asking for three years. Where is Gunnar Nelson? Is he okay? Is he locked in someone's gym or something? Did we just forget about him? No, he's back and he's going to be fighting Takashi Sato. I have no idea what to think of this fight as we haven't seen Gunnar Nelson for three years. Takashi Sato was two and two in, in the UFC and against good competition. The, the UFC, like like you said, for, for, um, for the other gentlemen, the UFC hates these some of these guys. They're yeah, Joe Herbert and Sato should have just fought each other. You know, it might have been an easier <laughs> fight, a catch rate of 165. What do you think of Gunnar Nelson's comeback fight? Does he have a, is he still in it? Like, I don't, we don't know anything about this, about what's going to happen. I don't know what to even expect from Gunnar Nelson. You know, I, from what I've seen, he's not training at SBG full time. He's training at Minotaur, his his, his yeah. personal gym in 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 Iceland. 
I like I say, I don't know what to expect from Gunnar Nelson. Despite being so good at grappling, he averages just one point seven two takedowns per fight. Yep, and he only averages one point seven strikes per minute, which yep isn't a lot of you know. If we if we look at just take a brief look at his uh, his record, he went the distance with Gilbert Burns, he went the distance yep. with Leon Edwards. He had that brutal knockout of Alex Oliveira. Alex Oliveira, sorry. The Santiago yep. Ponzinibbio one in, in Glasgow, can you can put that to the side because that was a strange fight. Alan Joban, Albert Terminov. Uh, you went the distance with Damian Meyer. You went five rounds with uh, Rick Story. You know, this guy, yeah. this guy's been in the UFC since 2012. Yeah. On yeah. Fuel TV 5, headlined by Stefan Struve and Stipe Miocic. You know, that was a good fight too. <laughs> exactly. You know, this is this, but this is what I'm trying to say is he's been in the UFC since then, you know, and yet he still only averages one, you know, one, one just over just under two strikes a minute. Which so, so Stipe Miocic went through his whole career of being a champion to being on the other side of his championship, and Gunnar Nelson is still a prospect. In that time, in the same amount of time. Exactly, exactly. And the only thing I think plays in favour of Gunnar Nelson is that he, uh, Sato's taking this on short notice. It was meant to be Claudio Silva, yeah. um, which I think would have been a tougher fight for Nelson, to be honest. Yeah, Sato's taking it on short notice. And his most recent three losses, Sato's, have all come via submission. And yes. we know that, that, that Nelson will look to take him down and will look to submit him. Yeah. I think... I don't really don't know. I think Nelson gets it done, and whether I'm speaking with my heart there, but if you for Sato, if you're being submitted by Bilal Mohammed, and if you're being submitted by Miguel Bieza, who notoriously is a violent stand-up stand-up guy, it's mm-hmm. Gunnar Nelson could make light work of you, to be honest. As long as he's in shape, Gunnar Nelson should win this fight, but we don't know what kind of shape he's actually coming into this fight. He might just find out that in those three years, he's aged exponentially, and that's why he hasn't come back due to injuries or whatever. Let's get to the main event. Now, I'm looking at searches. I've looked at some analytics that we get on Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that. This is the main event. Patty Pimblett fighting Rodrigo Vargas. Um Patty, I think the UFC knows that they've got a guy here. They're doing special features on him with guys like John Gooden and other stuff like that. He's in every interview and he seems so comfortable in that position. And he's arguing with everybody he can on Twitter just for fun. He has one win in the UFC against Rodrigo Vargas, who also has one win in the UFC. Um, Like you said, let's call a spade a spade. Uh, What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you say, it's, it's the main event. That isn't the yeah. main event. That isn't the co-main event. This is how good this card is, you know. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone would be complaining, despite only having one fight in the UFC, if Paddy Pimlet was to head on the UFC card, which is yep. crazy to think about, really. He's, you're talking Conor McGregor hype with Paddy Pimlet. Yep. Not but with I the think, skill, though. With the hype, not no, the skill. Sure, sure. <laughs> and that's exactly, literally, the first thing I've written here is Paddy Pimlet can be landed on but he clearly yes. has KO power, which means that people won't be afraid to face Paddy Pimblett because he's so he's so easily landed on in, in his debut. But he obviously, you know, he did get the, the knockout. And I don't think Vargas has 
anything that can really trouble Paddy Pimblett. Yeah. He, he will look to stand with Paddy Pimblett, but he's too slow. I watched his fight, um, Vargas' fight against... Who did he fight last time out that he won? Let me just double check. Yeah, against Rongju. He's just too slow. Yeah. Simply put, it's it's a leg kick and a lazy jab after the fact, or a lazy jab and then the leg kick comes around. If you do that against Paddy Pimblett, he's going to either snatch up your leg and look to do look to land some sort of flying triangle, flying armbar, or he's just going to look to land on your chin. And I think Vargas is a little bit of a setup fight for Paddy Pimblett. I think so too. Yes, but, but also I don't think you can blame Paddy Pimblett. For, obviously, you can't blame Paddy Pimblett for taking the fight. He sees it obviously as a fairly straightforward victory. But you know, at 27 years old with 20 professional fights, and you know now he's he's in the UFC. Finally, yep, yep. Cage Warriors champion stuff like that. He's comes in. He's he's got good experience coming in for sure. And I don't think it's going to take too many fights. You know, he's third on the main card this this weekend after just one fight in the UFC. Yeah, his next fight could very well be a headliner. The only thing that's playing <laughs> against him is that he's a lightweight, and lightweight is a killer's row. Um, that's really but, true. Yes, you know he's got to get through Vargas, who's who's no joke. You know he he did go zero and two in the UFC with that weird um, finish in the Brock Weaver fight, but he did mm-hmm. bounce back last time out. So, you know. Paddy's really got to manage his emotions like Molly McCann because that arena is going to be bouncing for him. It, he's going to bring the party and he's just got to manage his emotions and not not rush into anything too soon. I, th- I think some fighters excel with that crowd behind them. Some fighters definitely don't. Some fighters feel the pressure and they hate fighting in front of their home audience. And I totally understand that. I think Paddy Paddy might be the opposite where he is a guy who really will thrive with that audience behind him. And it's a good fight for him as well. But yeah, do you you think maybe he's more of a, he fights for the audience kind of fighter, maybe. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I think in the modern day, it's, doesn't matter if you're the most skilled practitioner in the world if you've got no social media presence. Yeah. You know, Shavkat Rachmanov is one of the most skilled fighters in the welterweight division. But when's the last yeah. time you heard a headline with Shavkat Rachmanov's? Exactly. This name? is a this is a spectator sport. Jorge Masvidal is a brilliant example. He he's yeah. not the best fighter in the world. He hasn't really got a wrestling game that we saw, but he can both work the mic, work social media, and when he does fight, he he sticks to what he's good at, which you know it works. It works for you for your bank account for your legacy. Yep. Probably doesn't work. Yeah, get a good highlight reel. Get you take the Jorge Masvidal approach. Be a pretty good fighter for ten years, and then get a good highlight reel and just cruise after that. Exactly. Really, they don't work too hard after that point. Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker. This fight this might be the toughest fight on the card to pick because Dan Hooker is a game lightweight. He is such a good lightweight that he was having close competitive fights with Dustin Poirier. He was getting into shootouts with everybody and he was big for lightweight. Now he's going to cut down to featherweight and his first fight is going to be Arnold Allen. I don't know. I don't know about this one, man. I don't know if Dan Hooker is going to be healthy. Like it, I really don't know what to say on this. What do yeah. you think of this matchup? I mean, yeah, you know, I completely cut again. The first thing I've written is how much is the weight cut going to affect Hooker? It's the first time making weight 145, sorry, since 2016. Yeah. 
I think if if he can get the win, he knocks off a huge name, 145 pounds, and becomes a top five guy, Dan Hooker, straight away like that. Because yes. there's only True. so many times that Volkanovski and Holloway can fight each other. And we haven't got Zabit coming back. And Yair and Brian Ortega look to be to be uh, wrapped up in a fight. Sure. And then you've got, obviously, Korean Zombie fighting for the belt next. But then the winner of that will more than likely face Holloway. All those guys are susceptible to injuries as well. All those guys could take a late replacement. The winner of this fight can be a late replacement fighter. Both of them have shown for that, sure. Right? Exactly. And, you know, for Arnold Allen, if he if he wins, I think he's won a win away from a title shot. You can't... Probably. You can't deny that, you know. It's the Leon Edwards effect of, yes, he doesn't rock the mic, but there's only so many wins that a person can can get before before they, they have to get a title shot. Sure. I think... In this fight, I think if Arnold Allen could win the first round and do well in the second round, it'll be hard for Dan Hooker to get get back into the fight because we know that Dan, uh, that Arnold Allen can get into a rhythm and cruise to victory. But he's a, but you know Dan Hooker is the far more active striker. He lands on average two more strikes per minute than Arnold Allen, so don't expect the first round to just be a walkover for for Allen and. You know, Dan Hooker has gloves, will fight anywhere. You know, he yep. has probably fought yep. on every continent. I can't tell you for sure, but he's inevitably fought on every continent. You know, the guy is battle-tested, battle-worn. He's been in there with Makachev. He's been in there with Felder, Poirier, some of the best names at, at lightweight. And, you know, his featherweight yep. run wasn't exactly a, a bad featherweight run either. Yes, he lost to... Yaya Rodriguez, Jason Knight, but you know those are good good losses. Exactly, they're not bad losses to take at all. He holds yeah. wins over. He's not Gilbert Burns out. He knocked out James Vick. He, he beat Alaya Quinto. He beat Paul Felder. He beat Nasrat Hakpras. Mm-hmm. He went brut- a brutal, had a brutal fight with Edson Barboza. Who, you know, we're we're saying Edson Barboza is a huge guy. How does he ever make featherweight? And now he's making yeah. it fairly safely. Well, True. There's no reason why Dan Hooker can't make that, but I hope the weight cut doesn't take too much out of him because I wouldn't want that to be what affects this fight. I think it's a brilliant fight. I th- yeah. I'd really, like you say, I really, I've gone back and forth on this one since it was announced. Maybe picking Allen just because I'm biased towards all the Brits on the card. Fair enough. But, yeah. But I'm not picking Allen with any great confidence because I know how good Dan Hooker is. Well, yeah, Dan Hooker, like you said, he's fought on every continent. For some reason, he's so game to fight that he became a road warrior. And typically that role is for people who don't really have a great backyard. So they kind of travel around. He was traveling around as far as possible. He's from Australia and he was fighting during the pandemic and had to be in quarantine for months at a time. Like this guy just wants to bang. This is the thing. It might be his sure. greatest strength and greatest weakness. We've also seen highlight <laughs> reels of him and Israel Adesanya fighting in Bangkok against each, or not fighting, uh, sparring, doing hard sparring against each other in Bangkok. This guy just loves to bang. At featherweight, that might be a bad thing in all honesty, because it's it's also been his biggest weakness at lightweight uh, amongst wrestling. But yeah, he has strengths. He has clear weaknesses. Arnold Allen. You almost have to pick him in this fight. He's a little bit more proven. He's on the better streak. We know that he can make the weight without draining his body. Yeah, you're right. You've kind of talked me into it at this point because I wasn't sure about this one. But yeah, Arnold Allen, what do we do with the future of a loss with Dan Hooker? That's a sad one. 
Exactly. And maybe, you know, Dan Hooker does, depending on how he feels at featherweight, if he does lose, he, he sticks at featherweight and doesn't jump in there with one of the better fighters in the division. You know, he takes on a, a lower ranked guy at, at featherweight and sure and builds back builds himself back up as a as a featherweight, builds himself back up the rankings that is as a featherweight. But yeah, you know, you say I've convinced you, and I'll, I'll wait till the staff picks come out on on Saturday to see to see if you flip flopped again because I cannot be sure that I won't flip flop over to to New Zealand again <laughs> before the fight. So <laughs> not promising well, anything. Well, honestly, if depending on how his weigh in pictures look, that that could absolutely change sure. the betting line on this fight. If he looks like he's about to faint, absolutely, I'm changing my pick, or I'm I'm definitely keeping on the loan. But if he looks very strong on the scale. I might be back on the Dan Hooker train as well. Anyway, in the main event, Tom Aspinall, the future champion. Luke Thomas has said it. John Gooden had said it versus Alexander Volkov. This is by no means an easy fight. Alexander Volkov is a hard fight for anybody. He's a skilled, rangy fighter, kickboxing base. He he knows how to use low kicks, low, low kicks, jab. He knows how to control where the fight is. This is going to be an orthodox versus orthodox matchup. And he's going to be fighting the young Tom Aspinall, who is streaking and who is hot. Um, Do you know anything about Tom Aspinall? Any thoughts on him? Anything like that? No, this is going to be one of those fights I don't even bother tuning in for. I'll check the result <laughs> the day after, I think. Yeah, that's no, right. <laughs> you know, like you say, Luke Thomas, three of, the, three of the greatest names in MMA, Luke Thomas, John Gunn, and myself have all picked. Fraser Cohen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, you know, I, everyone knows I've been high on Aspinall since coming into the UFC. Yeah, yeah. Tyson Fury sparring partner. You don't get that honour just being a, a gimme, gimme boxer. Yeah. He is the slicker boxer. I think Volkov's the better kickboxer. I think Aspinall's the better boxer. Mm. Aspinall's, without doubt, got the better ground game. Uh, we've seen Volkov dominated on the ground when he fought Curtis Blades. Um, I don't really see Aspinall looking to take this down, this fight down to the ground. <laughs> you know, it's difficult. I, I was looking on the, the UFC stats, but it's difficult for Aspinall to, to, to look at Aspinall's stats because, he, you know, quick, he, he, averages, he averages 7.19 strikes per minute. Yeah. I think the majority of those came when he had that absolute barrage against the fence against uh, Andrei Olofsky, when he landed about 40 punches in 20 seconds. You know, it's, it's not, you know, he has 100% takedown accuracy. He's only landed two in his four UFC fights. He's never been past the second round in his entire career, UFC or, or Cage Warriors or before that. Yeah. Four fights in the UFC, total fight time less than 10 minutes. Exactly. So how much can you really, how much do we really truly know again about Tom Aspinall? It's realistically not a lot. You know, Volkov will not look to take Aspinall down, but if he does, Aspinall is a black belt on the ground. Aspinall BJJ is, is essentially what he grew up on. You know, his dad's a, a BJJ coach. Mm-hmm. What I'd say is Volkov doesn't have one punch knockout power. He is very much a, a the kind of striker where he will a Max Holloway esque, where he will look to his death by a thousand punches rather than death by one big huge knockout. Yeah, we saw against Eric Lewis, he can get landed on, and Tom Aspinall can land on him. I think this will be a slow fight. And I think Tom Aspinall finishes it in maybe the fourth or the fifth, but I don't think it's going to be the 
the barn burner, the, the fight of the night by any stretch, because I think both men are going to be cautious. I think if Aspinall gets behind, then he has to take a take a few risks. But I don't see Volkov. For me, I've never seen Volkov have that that extra gear to take that risk when he needs to in a fight. Curtis Blades, Cyril Gann, you know, these are two fights where he was behind on the scorecards and couldn't kick on yeah. to 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 gamble, to risk it all, to try and get that win. If he doesn't I, accelerate when he's winning. He doesn't accelerate when he's losing. He has a fight pace. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And he, we know he can last 25 minutes. That's the Volkov's um, cardio will not be an issue. You know, he's gone 25 minutes with, with Seal Gam, with, um, with Curtis Blades. Yes, they were both losses. He went in, he went late the last time he, he fought in London um, when he knocked out Fabrice over Doom. He went into the fourth round. You know, he went, I mean, he went three rounds with Greg Hardy, who's not in the UFC anymore that we said last week, and that is the best news to come out of last week. You know, he can go late in a fight. Most recently, we saw him um, go three rounds with Marcin Tybora to bounce back from the Cyril Gann loss. But over 25 minutes, like you say, I think he he has that pace and he he doesn't accelerate and he doesn't take his foot off the gas. He fights at a consistent third gear. Yeah. And now if he's going to kick, if he's behind, he won't kick into fourth and fifth gear. Yep. He will just stay at that third gear and hope that he can just land what needs to be landed. And I don't think against a fighter such as Tom Aspinall, is he going to do that? With that being said, like we said against about Molly, like we said against Paddy, yep. Tom Aspinall's got to keep his head in check. It's the first time that he's fighting in front of fans in the UFC and he's headlining, you know, every one of his fights so far has been behind closed doors and it's, it's a massive step up in competition for Aspinall. You know, he, no, only, he, he has only fought pandemic in the apex. Oh my yeah, God. This guy, I, he's fought on, I believe he's fought on fight Island. Um, oh, but, maybe. but outside of that, you know, he's, he's only, he's fought behind closed doors or with, you know, the, the 30 odd fans that are allowed in the apex. Yeah. He's fought Andre Arlovsky in, Sergei Spivak, mm-hmm. Alexander Volkov's a lot better than both of those guys at this moment. Yes, <laughs> it's a <laughs> huge step up in competition. Main and, eventing in a fight this big, and main event. Yeah, it's a huge step up in competition for the three round, three round fight, and and Allen and Hooker were to be main eventing. Huge step yeah. up in competition, and for it to be a main event fight is Aspinall is got his work out with Volkov, but. If you even dream of thinking that I'm ever going to pick against my boy Tom Aspinall, you sadly miss it. I'd pick against, I'd pick Tom Aspinall to beat Tyson Fury in a boxing match. You know, it's, 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 it is what it is. I'd pick him to beat Gordon Ryan in a grappling match. And, you know, I, I can see him, you know, knocking out Rico Verhoeven in kickboxing. I'm a massive of Tom course. Aspinall fan. There's no, there's no questions about it. I did see in your, What's next for Rico piece that you didn't actually put the Tom Aspinall would be, you know, be having to be picking up his mouth guard off the, off the, off the canvas after Tom Aspinall lands that high kick. But, you know, I'll, I'll forgive you for that one. But no, Tom Aspinall for me, I think he gets it done late. Um, I don't think it's too interesting a fight, to be honest, but he, these are the, these are the fights in your first main event. You don't want to choke it. And I don't think he will. I think, you know, I think he's good enough to, to, to get past Volkov. Yeah, I think Dom Aspinall, the the areas where we've said maybe he has weaknesses is a lot closer, such as in clinching um, and perhaps putting him on his back. 
from range, he's a very good striker. And, to, and Volkov is, a, I don't think, going to test him in a lot of the areas where Aspinall perhaps has weakness. I think we're going to be playing to a lot of Aspinall's strengths in this fight. So, yeah, I, I honestly think it's a great fight for Tom Aspinall. Likely does get a TKO. Volkov is a little bit tougher to TKO. He is tough as nails, like getting knocked out by um, the most knockout fighter in history in Derek Lewis. That's it. Yeah. So that's does everybody guy. else. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So does everyone else. So it's, that's not exactly like, a, oh, Volkov's getting a little bit chinny. Well, nope. no, it's just... <laughs> It's just Derek Lewis doing Derek yeah. Lewis things, <laughs> you know. Well, he, I think he has one career loss, even in the other sports that he's competed in, going back as, as late as you can in, in his Russian fights. This guy is tough to knock out, but Tom Aspinall is probably going to keep wearing on him round over round. Five rounds is a long time. If his gas tank is good, which probably we have no idea, but if his gas tank is good, Tom Aspinall likely gets the finish. What else do you want to talk on on this UFC on London card before we get out of here? I think that's pretty much pretty much it to be honest. For the for yeah. the London card, we've got Cage Warriors the day before. Um, yeah. I think in the same arena. Um, Is it really? No I way. Believe, I believe it's in the in the O2. Yeah, Graham Boyle and putting on the, the he's just putting on the fights oh. that we want to see, you know. And again, you know, we've got an all English main event uh, for the featherweight belt, and you know, it's not nearly as stacked, obviously, as uh, the the uh, the UFC London card, but. Every every fight features someone from the UK or Ireland. So if you if you're in London, get make sure you get a ticket for that. And then you know we've got KSW this weekend as well with another always always a good show. Exactly another featherweight main event, another featherweight title. Europe is being treated this this weekend to combat sports. We've got Glory as well, from what I understand, Glory's. Glory's back this weekend as well. Um, yep. Europe is just being treated, like I say. It's just, yeah, finally, it's just being treated, and we've got a fairly, uh, a fairly decent time for um, the most anticipated boxing match in history that we're alluding to is uh, Eddie Hall versus Hapthor Bjornsson, the Mountain from Game of Thrones. Come on. I mean, this is a dangerous fight, you know. Um, if one of these two guys lands on the chin of the other guy, these guys at one point were like 30 stone. I think they've obviously they've had to trim down now, but the human frame, to think that I've got essentially the same skeleton and the same, you know, body structure as Eddie Hall and Hatfield Bjornsson is ridiculous. And these guys are carrying around 30 odd stone. It's, it's crazy, but, uh, you know, that's free to watch. If you go, I, I don't know the link myself. If you go onto Eddie Hall's Instagram, he's, he's giving yep. you guys the link. It's free to watch. Yeah. It's from know, Dubai. So the time zone should exactly. be fine for Europe. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is it, is it going to be a great skill fight? No. Is it going to be fun to watch? Yes. Possibly not even, you know, but <laughs> without a doubt, I'll be, we'll be, we'll be tuning in to, to see some sort of highlight from it. I think it'll be a, a mad fight to watch, to be honest. Oh, it's going to be a great weekend. I, I can't believe it's been so long since we've had something like this happen. It's, it's been years and years since we've had something this stacked in the European time zone. Cage Warriors, uh, KSW, UFC, and Glory. And we have it as some weird freak show boxing fight. This is the way it should be every weekend. This is how For it sure. should be. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm so excited. And we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage on the website. I've got glory stories. We got glory interviews with pretty much everybody fighting on the card. Uh, we got people covering KSW constantly. What are you writing for the UFC uh, in London card this week? Yeah, so I'll probably just be focusing on that Daniel Kinahan piece. Um, that sh- That's going to be a good one. It might not be out straight away. It might be sort of early this time next week. So I might even be able to just sort of allude to it on next week's podcast um, purely because the podcast uh, the podcast itself with Kinahan doesn't come out until Thursday. So it'll be listening to it on Thursday, mm. sort of collating the, the most important bits Friday and Saturday, reading it, uh, listening to it back, writing the article itself. But, uh, you know, I don't, this is a little early betting tips for you for UFC London. I don't think it's too controversial to say that every British star on the card, on the undercard and the main card, could come away with a victory. You know, I don't think it's too far fetched to say that Tom Aspinall, uh, Arnold Allen, and then I suppose, obviously Paddy Pimblett. Paddy, I suppose yeah. you could could regard Gunnar Nelson as like a honorary British, <laughs> honorary UK citizen for when he joins SBG. Yeah. Molly McCann's in a tough fight. Jai Herbert's in a tough fight, but, you know, they, I can see both of them winning. Grundy, and obviously you've got the Pavlovich fight, which I think Pavlovich wins. Paul Craig, Jack Shaw, Corey McKenna, yep. Nathaniel Wood, and Mohamed Makaev. You know, I, I really don't think it's it's too too big a stretch to say that, that all uh, UK-based fighters will, will come away with their hand raised. Jai Herbert's the tough one. I think if you've got a parlay, you're going to be sweating in the Jai Herbert fight. If you do a parlay with everybody except Jai and maybe Molly, everyone else, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. The, yeah, Arnold Allen might be sweating in that one a bit too, but it's a, there's a good parlay there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, it's a bit, especially you know, it's a bit of fun if if you if you don't mind potentially losing a bit and an all all British all British parlay is, is what you, is what you want to put on. You know, it's there's money to be made because not all the British fighters are favourites in, in these fights. So uh, there's money to be made from from a, I don't know what it would turn out to be, but it's 13 fights. So yeah, 13, 13 fight accumulator of uh, all British, British, British stars and Pavlovich is uh, certainly a moneymaker anyway. 20 quid on it and let us know how it goes. I, I don't know if I can bet. I've tried betting before here and I got something happened. I don't think I had a driver's license in the UK when I tried. Now I do. So maybe I can do it now. Well, like I got that. odds of 700 to 1, and I put everyone apart from 700 705 to 1, to one without Molly McCann because uh, for some reason she didn't show up on the Skybet app. I was using Skybet, but that includes that's, that's all just outright, you know, it doesn't matter how they do it split decision, decision, knockout, submission, just 705 okay. to 1. So uh, that's actually pretty good considering you don't have to pick the, the method of how they win. That's pretty good. Are sure. we sponsored by, by Skybet or, or Skybet? Shout us out. That was it. <laughs> yeah, that was Skybet. So Skybet, yeah, get, get onto MMASucker.com. We'll, we'll sort you out. <laughs> we can use the money. 700 to <laughs> one is actually pretty good for these people likely win. Anyway, let's get out of here. I don't have anything else to say from Tim Wheaton, Fraser, Crone. All of our links will be down below. Uh, we'll be back next week to cover off all the cool stuff that we did this weekend. Anything else you want to shout out? Oh, I think we pretty much covered it all in quite a long episode today. It was a thorough one. All right. Have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Take it easy.